In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Darkness has descended upon the city. And the creatures of the night have begun to stir. This is the time when the veil between the realms of the living and the dead is the thinnest. And all that is, is not what it appears to be. Like a lone sentinel, one candle flickers in the night, revealing all that lurks in the darkness. This is Ghost Chronicles, Book of Shadows. Welcome to the Nightmare. I have a new dog, and he thought he'd take that moment to jump up on the couch just as I was about to say hello, and I was like, ah! You have a hellhound now? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He's a good boy, but he's he's got terrible manners. (laughs) So how are you? Uh, Yeah, fine. Anyway, what's really cool is, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but last Friday, I went to see uh, the Shroud of Turin. The actually it was a replica, but it was the church-sanctioned replica of the of the uh, Shroud of Turin. It was I really cool. I yeah, actually saw that on your Facebook. Very, very cool. Yes, I did. Really? So, why is the church sanctioned? Why? I mean, they'd be upset that it's not, you know. No, because they control it. They have the child assurance. It's not like you can go around and make a copy of it. I mean, without really, you know, studying it. The, the guy that, that did the uh, the talk on it has been studying it since he's been eight years old. He's mm-hmm. done it for over fifty years, and uh, it was it was pretty amazing. Anyways, excellent. Where where is it? Where is it? Uh, it travels around. It's in the hands oh. of the passionates, and, and this was at uh, Saint Aquinas, Saint Thomas Aquinas uh, Church in Derry, and uh, we went up there. It was a three-hour little talky thingy, but it was kind of cool. Anyways, Me. think about remarkable things. I have perhaps the most remarkable person that I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a Salem witch. Nope. He used to be a Salem witch. He is now a Salem warlord. He's none other than the infamous Christian Day. Christian, are you there? Hi. <laughs> How are you? Having me on the show. Oh, this is great. You know what? You know what's really funny is I was going to take uh, some old clips of when you were came on to the show on WCCM, and uh, it, I went through them, and they're on they're on tape. You know, so do you remember tape back then? <laughs> tape, tape. Anyways, uh, so I started going through them, and uh, it, it, a lot of them Sean was on, which was was interesting. And, and uh, 
for those anyways who don't know, uh, Christian Day is the, wow, I guess, I, I always get this wrong, but I, not the head priest, he's the, 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 the head honcho of the Raven Moon Coven, is that correct? How do you, how do you... Well, I mean, you know, I don't look at it that way necessarily. I mean, I very rarely use terms like high priest or elder anymore. I mean, I just started yeah. to feel like they were making me sound old. <laughs> so, you know, I, I mean, Leanne, Marama, and I facilitate Raven Moon Coven in Sean's absence, you know, since he passed in 2007. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, we'll make the basic decisions, but you know, it's we're all adults, you know, and people gathering in a coven are about, you know, adults doing magic to change their lives. So, you know, I mean, I find there's covens out there that really, you know, and I don't think that necessarily they do this because they're high priests or what have you, but I try to avoid those kind of things that encourage subservient behavior. You know what I mean? I think people in magic, they have to really take the bull by the horns. You know, last year I actually weeded out a lot of people from the group because, you know, I want I created these structures by which people had to really show an intense amount of commitment in order to stay with us. And not everybody made it. You know, it was like a reality show sort of competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. You know, and not in a subservient way, but to just say, okay, you're, we need to all prove together that we want to live the life of full magic, because that's what witchcraft is. It's about living the life of magic. Everyone can do magic. I mean, we all have psychic ability. We all have magic within us, that spark of energy that can create something. Everyone has that. The only thing that makes a witch or a warlock or wizard or whatever word you want to use different it's that they do it every day. It's part of their whole life. It's not something they pick up on Sundays like a, you know, a, 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 a Catholic might only pray on Sundays. You know, not that they're on a lot, but <laughs> pray every day. But you know what I'm saying. Those people that just pick it up when it's convenient, that's not what the life of a witch is about. Right. It's every day. Well, it seems to be so vogue nowadays that, that you're a witch or Wiccan. You know, they, a lot of people use them interchangeable. Uh, you know, oh, I hate that word. I know, I do too. It's, 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 you know, be honest with you, another word I hate is sensitive. You know, people are sensitive. Oh, God. Yeah, no, that, that I avoid those bit. people too. Well, you know what it is? I, I only use the word Wicca at furniture stores and only to say I prefer Rattan. <laughs> you know, I just think Rattan is so much nicer. But, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of the word. I, well, you know what it is? It, it started out with Gerald Gardner, you know, in the 1950s, and it was actually W-I-C-A when he used it, mm-hmm. and it was the Wicca. You know, and then somewhere in the 70s and 80s, it, it, it just became so bastardized and so watered down, and suddenly Wiccan meant everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a Christian Wiccan slash Jewish Native American all rolled into one, you know. And it's, oh, yeah. it, it, I just, I, you know, and not that you can explore different spiritualities, but being a mm-hmm. witch is first and foremost about living magic. It isn't what deities you choose, you know, that suddenly they're a Christian Wiccan because they worship Jesus. Well, there are absolutely Christian witches, you know, people who worship yeah. Jesus. You know what's funny? Way. You know what's funny, Christian? When I was going through those tapes, we had this conversation years ago, and it was kind of cool because I had never known about it. You told me about witches and that there were Jewish witches and, and uh, Christian witches. Because that's not what makes them witches. Yeah, exactly. Somebody, like, I can worship Jesus 
and then I'm a witch because I do magic throughout my life and I use it to serve others and help people and myself and you know we use magic in, in our daily lives and, and magic is part of everyday life. You know my friends Lori Bruno and Lorelei you know they took a lot of hits because they did a spell for the Patriots to oh, try, yeah, I remember that. Yep. you know, to win the playoffs, <laughs> and the Patriots won. You know, but there were people out there saying, "Well, magic should never be done for trivial purposes." And I'm thinking, "Well, what the frick is magic for?" <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's you know what I mean. I use magic to get parking spaces. I use magic to feel better, yeah. to get rid of a headache. I use magic, you know, if I'm running late to try to speed things up. I mean, I use it for the most regular of purposes because it is our ability to take the heart, mind, and soul and channel the energy of all three of those things into changing the world around you. And if you can do that, why would you save it for, you know, a rainy day? I mean, it's meant to be part of everyday life. And just like psychic ability and any other, you know, metaphysical energy work. And if you were the kind of person who was, you know, quite religious, and you would pray every day. So what's the difference? And you'd involve that. You know, if you were somebody that was both, you know, Mm -hmm. if I were, were, you know, granted there are aspects of Christianity that people might say frown on witchcraft, whatever, but there have always been people that have mixed the two, especially, you know, other religions that, you know, voodoo in particular, you know, living here in New Orleans, New Orleans voodoo mixes a huge amount of magic and Catholicism all together. Mm. And so they pray to those various saints, for the things to happen, but they certainly involve themselves in the process as well. You know, and that's, that's where the magic comes in, you know, what they call hoodoo, you know, the root work and, you know, me doing the actual practices that make the change in my life. And it's every day. And, and so, you know, for me, I, I couldn't understand why anybody would be even remotely upset. I stood at the Wall of Skulls in Chichen Itza in Mexico. And that Wall of Skulls invoked the power of the spirits of the ancestors and the dead. And that wall of skulls was not at the temple. It wasn't at the home of the priests or the granary or the town square. It was in the middle of their Mayan ball field. You know, and they would they would call the spirits to, you know, bless the games. So this magic was done back then. Of course the winner was sacrificed to the gods, so I think that's a game. Oh. That I would have thrown that game. You know? That would deter me. Should have, should have thrown the, yeah, exactly. But I, I know that, you know, I, I took uh, Reiki, uh, uh, you know, I got a certified Reiki 1 and 2 practitioner, but one of the things they told me there is you can use Reiki to increase your gas mileage in your car. So, I mean, okay. there you go. You know, it's the same. It's every day. You know, yeah. magical people live magic. You know, that's what we do. And so it, 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 it goes without saying that, oh, well, you know, I really like like the Patriots, I want them to win, I'm going to do a spell. Now, myself, I did not get involved in that because, you know, living as I do, half in New Orleans and half in Salem, you know, football is a big deal up in New England, but mm-hmm. it's religion here. <laughs> so, and if I went out on TV and I said anything other than go Saints, I'd have a brick through the window. Well, then, it was all, you know, then when the Saints lost the playoffs, I thought, well, maybe I can do it now. And then people are saying, oh, no, 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 no. Eli Manning of the Giants, he's from the French Quarter or whatever. Oh, jeez. You can't, like, so, okay, I just can't say anything against the Giants either. So, you know, there you have it. But the thing is, it, it, whatever you're doing magic for, 
it's part of your everyday life, and that's what makes me. I like the word warlock, of course. That's very controversial. I decided to bring it back last year, and you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it teed off a few people. But you know, the word I found that it was disingenuous that people were lumping all this negativity onto a word that didn't deserve it. You know, they they talk about the word in the ancient Scottish meaning traitor, but they don't take into account that this was from a Christianized culture. You know, when they were looking at these people as traitors to good Christian society, right? you know, traitors to the morals and values of the church. And so these people that were warlocks and liars and devils and what have you, and sorcerers, because it was also used to designate them as well, um, and the word evolved over centuries, it, it ultimately became a male witch. And it became that because of the idea that these people were betraying Christian society. But there is another meaning of the word altogether, which comes from the Nordic, which is (laughs) Anglo-Saxon. And as some people may know, the word witch, it comes from the word witcha, which is W-I-C-C-A, which most people mispronounce as Wicca. And that's an Anglo-Saxon word. So while there are a lot of Celtic influences in witchcraft, there are equally and etymologically uh, more uh, connections to the Anglo-Saxon. And so, you know, you have the witcha, and, and it connects back to the word in the Nordic, Icelandic, which was called Vardlakur. And what the Vardlakur was, was a song that people sang to call the spirits. And there's a story, I believe it was in uh, 1008, you know, roughly around 1008 in Greenland in a saga of Eric the Red. And there was a woman named Thorbjorg, and she was a witch. And she would run around in a long wool blue cape with jewels and gems and trinkets all hanging off it, kind of like the one I wear, (laughs) which I thought was kind of cool. And she had this, you know, wooden staff with brass and stones and gems and things on it. And she basically was like the Lori Bruno of Greenland because she would travel around and do (laughs) psychic parties at all the manor houses, you know. And she was at this one party, and there had been a famine going on, and they, you know, everybody, of course, wanted to know what the spirits were saying, and is the famine going to end? And she was like, well, there's no spirits coming. I don't know, you know, is there anybody that knows the Vardlakor song? And a good Christian girl came up and said, well, my foster mother was, you know, a pagan. You know, that's the translated word, of course, but, you know, pre-Christian. And she taught me the song, and the woman apparently was a spectacular singer and sang the Vardlakor, and the spirits came, and Thor Bjorg was able to interpret their sayings that the famine would end, and sure enough, it ended, you know, and everybody was happy. But the idea of warlock coming from that word is the idea of necromancy, of conjuring the dead. It doesn't specifically refer to men, but it refers to the idea that as magical people, we work with the dead. And that's the reason I wrote my book, The Witch's Book of the Dead, which was published in in October by Weiser, who I call the Raven Clause of of the uh, occult (laughs) community. I always wanted to be, I mean, I love Llewellyn, I love all the other books, but Weiser is the intellectual publishing company of the occult world, so I really wanted to be part of that family, at least for the first book. You know, I figure if I get a reality show one of these days, they're going to make me write, you know, like Teresa Guadice's skinny Italian, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll have to write not-so-skinny not so witch or something. But, you know, at least for now, I wanted a nice intellectual. And, and the Witch's Book of the Dead basically reminds us of how important it is to 
respect the ancestors, you know, and I, I actually have a chapter in there on ghost hunting. And I one of the reasons, and, you know, and I'm not a big, I mean, as you know, I don't go on a lot of ghost hunts. I want to do more, and I, I just never have the time. But the reason I put, it was a tough choice to put it in there because I don't spend so much time on it. But why I chose to finally put it in was that I feel that there's a trend in ghost hunting, which I'm sure you're aware of because you were doing this before, you know, they became a ghost team in every trailer park. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like everybody has one. You know, but, and they all have matching T-shirts. You know, and I, and I guess... Well, yes, they do. Some, I'll be getting in some trouble tonight. <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah, I really right. wanted to drive home the point of the importance of a fear you know, of a, of, a, of a psychic, a witch, someone who can help direct the energies, and also the importance of respect. You know, a lot of your listeners might have seen me on Ghost Hunters. Oh, no, what's we that? Did. Ghost, Ghost Adventures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've right. only ever seen the episode that I was on, but I was very, I liked the show. I don't think it was fake. I know a lot of these shows get accused of being fake. I mean, there were only these three dudes and some guy running the sound. There was no, they didn't have the staff to be able to put together anything fraudulent. So I was happy that, you know, what was coming out on the show, what you saw on the show was what was coming out in the room. That's great. Yeah, which is quite a bit. I mean, you guys had a phenomenal job with uh, uh, Bridget there. At, and, oh, uh, yeah. Contact and everything. But here's That's- the thing. Um, I still didn't like the way they behaved. And I've heard rumors, because, again, I don't watch the show, mm-hmm. but I've heard that they've been followed by things and they've been experiencing all this negativity. Well, it's like you can't go in there and, and start screaming at the spirits. I mean, would you go into somebody's house and do that to the person? No. Right. No. Especially, no. especially oh, if they were bigger than me. <laughs> well, they were really being rude, you know, so I yeah. made every one of them come up and stare into the skull. Cause I, so I may be partially responsible for this, these things because I sort of did put the energy out there that night. I said, you know, you will be a creature of spirit. You will, you, you know, they are like to you. You will respect the dead, you know, and, and, and you will do this, you know, with regard to these, you know, and then I don't think they are. So now they're really getting it, you know, and, mm. and I, it's just, it was disappointing to me. I mean, I liked the people. They were very nice guys. You know, I just don't necessarily care for the approach, you know, and I know that when they wanted me to go on the show, Jeff Belanger, who does a lot of their location scouting, right. yeah. um, wanted me to go to the Lyceum. We, we used to do your events there, and, and yeah. the owner there was never very appreciative of all the media we brought and all that. And I just didn't like him. He was always rude to us, and, and I didn't appreciate it. So I was like, I'm not going there. I'll go to the witch house because that's owned by the city. It'll score me some points. <laughs> there was only one little problem with the witch house. What's that? They were they had no witch. Well, it's not that haunted. Um, <laughs> no, mind you, no, mind you, many things showed up there on Dead Famous because Sean made it happen, and you know that. And so, of course, naturally, that came up in the conversation. I'm like, oh, don't worry, there'll be plenty of spirits there by the time I'm done. You know, I'll, I'll do this. You know, I'll do this necromantic ritual, and then they went before the Park and Recreation Commission that controls, you know, access to the house, and yep. you know, they, I get this call from the manager of the witch house. Well, we, we can't do a necromantic ritual. You know, what are we going to do? I said, oh, I'll just do a witch's blessing, and she said, well, what's the difference? It's so absolutely nothing. It's just semantics. I'm not <laughs> changing what I'm doing. I'm just let's call it a witch's blessing. What the hell is the difference? Exactly. So. 
you know, my intention was, well, okay, if they want to investigate this house, I'll give them the ghosts. I mean, it sort of does cast a light on the whole idea of paranormal investigation, because if you have a witch with you, you know, they have to be careful not to necessarily upset the natural order of spirits in the house. <laughs> you know, it's. I think it's important to bring a witch to an investigation because they can control and summon what is there. But they have to be careful because they can also attract what isn't. Right. right. You know, as, as witches working in the spirit world all the time, we become beacons of energy. So you're not just drawing out the spirits of that house. You know, anybody that happens to be, you know, nearby, as it were, and not necessarily geographically because, it, you know, spirits are forms of energy and energy travels rather quickly you know you have to be careful that you're not changing the experiment so to right. speak and i mean we did this on purpose i said well this place isn't haunted but it will be <laughs> and so I, I got there and before we ever went in the house and this story's in my book like you don't you didn't see this on the show <laughs> but when we got there you know, the manager of the house was there, Elizabeth, and, and you know, she said, so those guys are already in there, you know, and they're getting some stuff. And, I, and they did get some stuff without us there. It was a little drib and drab, you know. And uh, I, I said to Kelly, because I brought Kelly Spangler, who's a very, very powerful psychic medium, you know, that reads it at my shops and fairs and what have yeah. you. Yeah, she's, been on, she's been on the show before. Yeah, In fact, yeah. on that, she has a ghost hunting group. It's kind of what you just said. Oh, yeah. About, you know, yeah. Well, she's a fantastic medium. So, uh -huh. you know, if you ever get a reading from somebody, she'd be a good one to get a reading from. And so I brought her. You know, I knew she loved the show. You know, I says, I'm only bringing you. I'm not bringing anybody else. I want a, a female-balanced energy to kind of create a polarity, to really create a battery of energy for the spirit. And so I grabbed her hand. I said, I reached out. I said, do this spell with me in the backyard of the witch house which, by the way, is called the Witch House because it was owned by Jonathan Corwin, who was one of the judges of the Salem Witch Trials. Ah. And, Cor and Corwin, they had quite the racket because his son, George Corwin, was the sheriff. So they would <laughs> find you guilty, and under the laws of the time, the sheriff would come and collect all your property and divvy it up. Oh, nice. Mm. So, you know, one would find you guilty, and then, you know, the father finds you guilty, the son goes and takes your stuff. I mean, it was quite the little racket. Quite a plan. You know, but it wasn't, ex the witch house was not exactly the place that the spirits of the witch trials victims would want to be hanging out. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, you just, right. would you really want to go there? So, no. you know, needless to say, I, I knew that Bridget Bishop had a strong association with the Lyceum Restaurant. I mean, you've held your, you know, the spectral evidence event that you do, you know, I think this year it's on the 20th of it. Yeah, Saturday the 20th of October. You know, that yeah. event that you do, you've done there. You know how how serious the spiritual energy there is. I mean, every TV show I've ever brought there, they always, you know, their equipment breaks down, something goes wrong, and they always say, oh, no, we've got great equipment, it won't happen. But it always does because it's a very <laughs> strong energy of Bridget Bishop. It used to be her apple orchard. So I was desperate. I, I said, Kelly, we need to do this spell. I, I said, I, I called out in the direction of the Lyceum. And I said, Bridget, if you've ever loved working with me, if we've ever had a relationship, please depart that house. Give them no show, <laughs> no audience. Show them nothing. Please, just for me, just, you know, because I need to score points with the mayor and the city, and you know, they all run the witch house, and, you know, I, I just need this to be. So please, like, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> do me this little favor. Don't give them a show tonight, you know. <laughs> now, then we go in, and as you see on the TV show, there's all this energy going on. Right. You know, and there's, the, 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 the machines start going off the hook. And what they didn't show you was that as off the hook as those machines were going, it was nothing compared to what happened when I pricked my finger and put the blood in the chalice. Oh, oh. you did that, huh? Uh-huh. Right. They did not really. I think they sh- like. I sort of could see me doing it, but I don't think they really called attention to it. Exactly. So I, I mean, I've only seen the episode once, and it was in a movie theater. So like, I've never watched it at home. But it looked like there was a point where they showed me pricking the finger, but they, they didn't say, "Oh, he's doing this." So, but what they didn't show on TV was how when I pricked my finger and drew the blood. You know, in hoodoo, they don't let, you know, down here they freak out. Oh, my God, if you give the spirits blood, they'll want more. I said, well, that's kind of the point. You know, you're building a relationship. I talk about that in the book, that, you know, blood for the spirits is one of the most powerful ways. But I'm not going to go kill a chicken. I mean, I just, just I, number one, I'm squeamish. Number two, I'll feel bad for the chicken. I might eat it when it's deep fried, but, you know, with yeah. batter on it. But as long as you don't know it personally, you know. Right. If it's looking up at me, go, no, I can't. Sorry. I'll just, no. my, I'll use my own blood, you know, whatever. But. The thing is, that has power. You know, all the techniques that I talk about in the Witch's Book of the Dead are techniques that anybody can do. You know, I didn't grow up as one of these indigo children with a million psychic powers. If anything, I was a terror, so I sort of refer to myself as having been a Wendigo child, you know, those (laughs) Native American werewolf spirits or whatever it is they are. You know, I was a terrible child. But, you know, I wasn't psychic, at least, that I knew. And, you know, I mean, I learned how to do that in my early 20s, you know, from Lori Cabot's classes and, you know, training and psychic ability. And so I feel like these are techniques anybody can use, you know, to draw the spirits. And so those are the techniques I did. There is all this time, you know, and when I did them, all of a sudden the PX ovulus or whatever the heck it's called, you know, it began calling out names. It was saying Apple a lot, and I, you know, because I'm in the moment, so I wasn't really paying attention to, you know, why it was saying what it was saying. I, I'm just, Kelly and I are just standing there in awe. You know, I'd never really been on that many investigations, so this right. was really blowing my socks off that all this stuff was happening. You know, and yeah, you know, if people made fun of that. They're like, well, if you're so magical, he would have known. I'm like, well, I don't really go on that many investigations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that the spirits are there, but I, I usually, in my rituals, I don't have all this machinery proving it. Right. right. And that's different. It's one thing when you psychically know and you believe it and you know it and whatever, but you know how that can be delusional at times. Some people believe they see the ghost. You know, but when you've actually got machinery that's telling you, that's just very impressive to me, you know. And so what was really great, though. Well, you know what? You're going to have to hold that because we have to go to a commercial break. Oh, okay. So, anyways, uh, we'll come back to that right after. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann Carrigan and Ron Kolick. And our very special guest tonight is the Salem, infamous Salem Warlock, Christian Day. And in spirit, I'm sure Sean's here. Don't you think, Christian? Oh, absolutely, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So we'll be right back after the following message on TojiNet, Ghost Channel, Pararex, and beyond. Welcome to TojiNet, radio with a cutting edge. 
everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts, honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem witches, Sean Poirier, and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests to step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com or call 978-740-9783. Happy Halloween! <laughs> And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ian and our very, very special guest, <laughs> Salem Willow. I can't believe you still have that. Uh, I thought you'd like that. I thought you'd like that. <laughs> that was like from, uh, that was from 2005. Well, wow. it's about time you got me a new one, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, the, just in case they, they don't know, that's actually my voice run through all these effects processors. <laughs> And, uh, oh, I had fun with that one. So um, what I was saying about the the, uh, the, the the thing that was so cool, when Sean got that skull, I think it was uh, 2003 or whatever it was on, uh, on, the, on boneroom.com, you know, he said, oh, Christian, he says his name is Robert. I said, yeah, whatever, you just gave him that name. You know, I mean, I'm very skeptical. And, you know, I didn't believe him and all this. And... You know, I've had a forensic anthropologist actually tell me finally. It was so interesting because I said, Sean, how could his name be Robert? It's probably from Thailand or one of these places, and his name's right. like, you know, Wong. Right. So offensive. But, you know, whatever. You know, I, his name is not Robert. You know, and then I, years after Sean died, I had a forensic anthropologist look at it and say, oh, no, it is Caucasian. It is male. I'm like, oh, my God. Whoops. <laughs> That's so interesting. And then, you know, we're on uh, Ghost Adventures, and the, the the ghost box, you know, the radio wave thing, or Shack yeah. Hack or Hack, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that thing, it calls out the name Robert. Oh, wow. And I'm thinking, oh, you bastard, Sean. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that word, but, you know, you were right all along. And, um... You know, then it calls out my full name, oh. which was really cool. Um, but my favorite thing that happened was they asked who the spirit was that was causing all this activity. And it came out of the ghost box that it was Bridget Bishop. Ah, And that's why Kelly and I had this big, you know, people were like, why are they laughing on the show? Don't they take this seriously? <laughs> we were thought it was hysterical because... You know, yeah, I didn't call her to the house, but I basically asked her to leave the Lyceum. <laughs> and so where else was she going to go other than to where we were creating this big spiritual energy vortex right. in the middle of the witch house? Because I really doubt that the witch house is a place Bridget Bishop would want to hang around, <laughs> being exactly. that it was the home of one of the judges. Right. So we not only proved the existence of spirits on that show, we proved the existence of magic and the power of projecting your will and your energy 
and the power of relationships between the living and the dead. Because I didn't command or make her leave that house. I asked her to. And a number of weeks later, I got a call from one of the people from the show, and I confessed that I'd done that. But first I asked, I said, well, how, how did it go at the, at the Lyceum? I saw it on the TV show, and it didn't seem like there was that much, you know. Because, <laughs> of course, if you saw the show, they kept re-airing this one reenactment of a box flying down the right. stairs. And then they had dudes talking around the bar. But there was very, I mean, they really had to manufacture whatever was going on at the Lyceum that night. It was not, not full of the type of evidence that we were getting at the witch house. And he basically told me, he said, we didn't get anything. It was like barely anything. You know, mm. just that thing with the, I think there was a thing with the mirror and somebody said Mary or whatever. But they really did not get anything over there. And they always get things over there. Everybody gets stuff at the Lyceum. So that they didn't was really astounding. But not yeah. when you consider the fact of this spell slash request of the dead. And so, you know, what that really gave me, what I, what I took away from that, I mean, first and foremost was, okay, I finally made it, you know, because Sean was always the one with the magic. You know, I felt like Whoopi Goldberg. I never had it. My mother had it. <laughs> you know, like I was always the, you know, the sidekick, you know, so it was great for me because, you know, you know, I'd worked with the dead for years, but this was the first really major piece of empirical evidence that I could point to and say, oh, my God. Like, look what we just did, Kelly and I, you know, and I can't take all the credit because Kelly's an, an incredible medium. And so between the two of us, we made this happen mm -hmm. and, 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 and proved that if you take, if you build a relationship with your dead, whether it be somebody you don't know like Bridget Bishop or more importantly, your grandmother, your, you know, those that you loved on the other side that you loved in this life. You know, I always say the Virgin Mary is busy and ISIS has better things to do. <laughs> you know, call your grandmother because she'll want to help you. And the thing is, we proved that. I mean, if somebody like Bridget Bishop, who I never had tea with, you know, we, you know, we right. never had sex. Um, you know, no, nothing ever happened with Bridget and I. You know, but yet she was willing to help me because of that relationship that I had formed with her. Well, what kind of power is the relationship with your grandmother going to have? What would exactly. she do for you on the other side? You know, and this is, this is very empowering. I think. And so, you know, what I took away from that was the mission that the work that I'm doing here, you know, with Festival of the Dead, which you're, of course, part of, that work that we do every October with the tourists, the work that we do year-round in the shops that you do year-round with your investigation, this spirit work matters. It's not just, oh, cool, I'm a ghost, you know, I'm a ghost hunter. Isn't that great? Wow, I finally look interesting to all my friends. You know, I was just <laughs> before, but, you know. I mean, but that's, you're not just doing that. It, you, you, your work matters. <laughs> you know, we're helping people to build relationships with the spirits. Yeah, and they're relationships that can change our lives. Somebody actually has a question from the chat room for you, uh, Christian. Yes, I was actually, I was just going to ask, um, they want to know, did you close that, that vortex back up again or send, send these spirits back, you know, where they usually are? 
after summoning them? Well, I think you always should do some sort of closing. I mean, I don't always cast a circle the way that, you know, people do in the more religious traditions of Wicca. I sometimes will do that, well, usually with my coven, because, you know, we're doing more holiday-related celebrations and that sort of thing. You know, the, the, the eight holidays of witchcraft, you know, we cast the circle and call the elements and those more standard things. But when I do spirit work, I actually sprinkle about this spirit powder recipe I, I created, and, you know, I, I call the space to be sacred, and then when I'm done, absolutely, I, I, and I always thank them. You know, that's the other thing. When the spirits do work, you know, if somebody does something for you in the real world, you know, if you have any sort of raisin whatsoever, you know, you thank them. And, you know, in the spirit world, it's the same. So you don't just send them along. You also thank them. Mm-hmm. So that the next time you have need of them, they're there for you. You right. know, so you always want to, you know, I mean, they did not, I don't believe they showed that on the TV. You know, the closing. I don't think they I mean, showed it. I don't remember seeing that, Christian. I, well, I, they I, left a lot of things out. I yeah. mean, I mean, one of the things they didn't even film, which I thought was amazing, but I know nobody will ever believe, you know, it just sounds too convenient. But, you know, I was talking to uh, Aaron on the show, and... You know, I said, well, you know, I've got to share with you. I said, I got a very strong psychic vibe. I said that even though you're the jokester and all this, you know, and I didn't know that. You know, I don't know what he's like on the other episodes. I just know he was goofy on this one. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I said, you may be this person, I said, but in reality, you're the strongest as far as commanding the spirits, and not that you should always do that, but, you know, when they get unruly, you may have to. You know, I said, you have this innate power to commune with the dead in a way that's different than the other two. You know, I felt like, you know, the energy that I got from the three of them was that Zach was very psychic, but had, you know, no real clue how to control what was going to happen, so it's sort of like, here, I can conjure it up and see it, but God forbid I need to get rid of it. Um, <laughs> the other one I felt like had a little psychic talent, but he was the hot one, I think. You know, everybody liked Zach. I thought Nick was the hot one. You know, it, it, was, it was pretty nice, you know. The, uh, but anyway, he, uh, he had a little bit of psychic ability, but his thing was more the intellectual investigatory type of thing from what I could feel. And then I said, this other guy here, I said, you know, you have the power to get rid of any danger that you face if you just take that power. But you're, you're shirking the responsibility. And he says to me, well, somebody else said that to me not too long ago on the show. And I'm thinking, oh, God, now he's going to think that, you know, I just watched all the old episodes because I had <laughs> never seen it. And then he goes, Bloody Mary. And I said, you got to be kidding me, because she's one of my best friends. Oh, right? my God. Bloody Mary is a, is, a, is a voodoo priestess and voodoo queen here in New Orleans mm-hmm. in both Haitian and Creole traditions and is one of the most magical, spirit-connected people that I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And apparently she was on the show, and she told him the same thing I said. Uh-huh. You know, because I'd never seen it, but it was kind of interesting to me to get that validation. But, you know, there were a lot right. of things that they didn't show. And, and, you know, we did close it, and you should close it. I mean, you should always, for every ending there's a beginning, and for every beginning there's an ending. You know, you, you, right. you want to set, you never just want to leave things lingering. And it is funny, because when they showed the show at the, the Cinema Salem, which is this local movie theater, and that's mm-hmm. when I got to see it, you know, when when they showed it, um, Elizabeth was there that manages the house. And I said, so Elizabeth, you know, what kind of paranormal phenomenon are you experiencing at the witch house? And she 
goes, really? Nothing. I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, it was kind of funny because we, you know, we basically haunted the house for a night and then, you know, checked out. Um, but, I mean, in, in reality, though, there's, there's still another story with that witch house with you and Sean back when, uh, uh, what's his name there, was there too, right? Uh, the chair? Right, well, the, the, basically the story of that is this. We were on the show called Dead Famous, which was a living Chris TV Fleming, show yeah. in yep. England. And Sean thought he was a fraud and mm-hmm. said so to me. You know, and Sean was very pointed. You know, he did not mince words. He was like, this guy's a fake. He doesn't. And I don't know. I mean, I've had people say otherwise. I, I don't know the man. I, you know, I'm not going to say one way or the other. But I do know that Sean set about to prove that he was not real. And, you know, when John set about to do something, it was never a simple undertaking. You know, there was always this grandiose tone to it all, you know, that that he was going to go to the ends of the earth. So he sent clients of his into the into the witch house on the tour. And that's why on the show that, you know, the people say, oh, we've had people come on the tour. Yeah, and every one of them was sent by Sean. <laughs> he was sending his clients in there to freak out about this chair. <laughs> you know, and a lot of the furniture there isn't from there. You know, it's all this, a lot of it's old furniture. Most of it is from the period, but not all. And it's gone, you know, from other places, you know, to try to make it look like it would have looked back then. But none of the original, I don't, maybe some of it. I, from what I understand, none of the original furniture is there. Yeah, I doubt it, yeah. So, you know, this is not some chair from that house. And, you know, so he just kept sending people in there. Oh, the chair. Oh, my God, that chair. I'm getting such a bad vibe from there. And, you know, so, of course, the, the, the people that give the tours are thinking, oh, what the hell is wrong? These totally unrelated people, um, you know, are freaking out about the chair. And, um, you know, so, anyhow, then we do the the show and of course Sean's like the chair the chair the chair and you know I didn't I, I had like ten seconds on that show they had me in the graveyard I didn't do any of the filming at the witch house and um, Sean did a necromantic ritual with a bird skull and all this and it was really interesting but you know he kept talking about the chair so of course Chris <laughs> Fleming comes out and if I remember correctly from the show you know they had all these flashing lights and it was I mean it's been a while since I've seen it but yep. you know they made it sound like he was just really put off by the spiritual energy of the chair you know so of course Sean is having a field day with this because you know I just manufactured that there's nothing wrong with this chair um but (laughs) (laughs) we were just such a terrible I mean we really were mischievous I mean I have to say some of the crap we would pull man and the uh you know but he He basically manufactured this. You know, there was no chance. I mean, somebody did make a point to me when I was at Ghost Talk that it could be that the amount of energy Sean kept putting into the chair made the chair have an energy. There you go. And I do have to wonder. You know, I mean, I and I'm not saying that's what happened, but it is possible. You know, if enough people believe in something, oh, absolutely, it, it begins to take a life on of its own. It yeah, becomes exactly. a, it becomes a form of residual energy, which is responsible for probably, in my opinion, seventy percent of what we call hauntings, if not more. And, you know, things like the Danvers State Mental Hospital, as much as it's haunted, it's way more of it is residual energy of suffering and pain. And, you know, so you get this 
idea that maybe he haunted the chair, you know, by all of that. But so who knows? I mean, Chris Fleming could have picked up on all the vibes of everybody pointing at the chair mm-hmm. or, you know, something else. I don't know. But Sean certainly took it as confirmation of his opinion on the subject. So I thought it was kind of funny. But I mean, let's face it, you know, we all as psychics have off days. Right. You know, and if you, and we're all susceptible to hysteria or, you know, embodying the energy of others, you know, those girls there. I mean, I love Erin Brockovich, but she aggravates me so much with this whole, I must be something in the water with all those kids twitching. I'm sorry. It's like you see one twitch and they're all getting attention, so now they're all twitching. And I'm very skeptical because that's what happened in the witch trials. You know, when, there was no rye bread or any of that. It was basically, you know, kids acting out because in the Puritan era of Salem, kids were not allowed to play. They really didn't have any outlet. Right. So once Titcher, but, you know, the the slave woman taught the children divination and things like that, you know, they finally felt like they had an outlet, and one of them freaked out, and then when the child freaked out and got all this attention, everybody else started freaking out because they're getting attention. (laughs) You know, and then the adults saw this. You know, it really became a political war. You know, Mm. the children started it, of course, and the first people that they called out on were people like Sarah Good and Bridget Bishop, and they weren't people that had any political meaning whatsoever. But as time wore on, the accusations began to be directed at people that fit pivotal roles in the society. Exactly. Um, and the nature of what Salem wanted to be at the time. And so, you know, it, it, it really it cut to this whole identity crisis that I think still goes on in Salem Town. I mean, of course, the witch trials happened in Salem, but most of the people that were in those trials were from nearby Danvers, which at the time was Salem Village. But a lot of people say, oh, no, the trials weren't. Well, the trials weren't in Danvers, and neither were the jails, and neither were the hangings. They were all in, in Salem Town. But it was a whole identity crisis of who wanted to be a farmer in Salem Village and who in Salem Village wanted to be connected to Salem Town and go to church in Salem Town it was all about money and economics and, and standing, you know, in the society. And so it became a political war, and they all took advantage of these children, yeah. you know, who were just trying to act out because they had no outlet. So right. and, and, very... Yeah, but isn't that, I mean, if, if you're right on that, but wasn't it all stopped when they threw out spectral evidence, and that was only because they accused the governor's wife well, I think the governor's wife was certainly one of the biggies. You know, that's when Increase Mather, who was the president of Harvard, which at the time was a religious school, um, and his son Cotton Mather was notorious for fueling the flames of the witch trials, but Increase came out with a, a statement or paper called Cases and Conscience where he stated that it would be better for, you know, ten witches to go free than for one innocent person to be hanged. And then, you know, got rid of the spectral evidence, which once you didn't have that, she pinched me in the night. You know, they could even prove that you were not there. But they'd say, oh, her shape came to me. The devil allowed her, you know, the devil comes to me in her shape, and he wouldn't be able to take her shape if she weren't a witch. I mean, it was just ridiculous. But I I love the term spectral evidence. That's why I used it for the name of your event. Um, And eventually for a a conference I want to do. Um... You know, yes, with yes, yes. One of these time 
But, you know, I mean, the witch trials are definitely, I mean, I would recommend, you know, if you want the really academic approach, there's a book called Salem Possessed by Paul Boyer and Stephen Nissenbaum. And then there's another book that I think is a little more layman but relies on a lot of the Nissenbaum and Boyer research. is called The Delusion of Satan by Francis Hill, which is fascinating. You know, there was a lot of politicking that was at the root of the witch trials. It was not rye bread, but there was certainly a, a huge element of mass hysteria as well. Hmm. You know, and that it's sort of like if enough people go in there and say the chair is haunted, the chair is haunted. Right. And you can right. even make Chris Fleming believe it. You know, like, <laughs> really haunted or not, I don't know. But, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think every place has spirits because I don't think all spirits are fixed to place. I think many spirits are not fixed to place. Mm-hmm. I can call certain spirits wherever I am in the world and they will come. Right. Because, you know, spirits are energy. You know, light travels at 186,000 miles a second. It's not really that much of a stretch to think, well, I can take my spirits with me when I'm on vacation and they can join me <laughs> on the fun, you know, scuba dive. Well, actually, actually the, the Russians believe that when you, they have believe in house ghosts. And when you move, you take your house ghosts with you. Uh-huh. Well, the, the Romans certainly believed in the house gods, you know. Yeah. The, uh, but I, I think that, you know, yeah, there's always spirits that visit a place. Or go, but I, I don't find that the witch house is especially high on the list of spiritual activity. But I, what I do find funny is that ever since the Dead Famous episode, there have been paranormal groups for years trying to get in there. And the Park and Rec actually instituted a uh, policy uh, of not allowing those things, but they sometimes will bend it for major TV. You know, they actually called me on this. What do we do? What do we do? And, you know, some of the people involved in the decision-making process, and I said, well, I really think you should make a benchmark. You know, they may say it's unfair, but I think the benchmark should be if this is a tourist attraction in Salem that raises money through ticket revenue for the city of Salem, then it should really be about the eyeballs. So if the group going in there is going to put their work on national TV, then it should be a yes. If they're just going to go in there and the only people that ever find out about this are going to be, you know, 200 friends on Facebook, then maybe Uh it's not worth, you know, it's not worth the damage to the house because it is a very old, you know, you're talking about a building that's over 300 years old. Right. it's very delicate. You know, you can't have, you know, every... I mean, it would be one thing if paranormal investigation were a rarity, but, you know, there's a frickin' ghost hunting team in every neighborhood now. I mean, you <laughs> you could have a different investigation in the witch house every night, and it would damage the house. There has to be some sort of, you know, barometer, right, or a yardstick. And to me, I think, it, you know, as a tourist attraction, it makes sense to say, oh, okay, well, if it's a major TV show, we'll let them in. No, that seems fair. You know, I'm looking at your book, of course, The Witch's Book of the Dead, uh, which came out with uh, uh, Wiser Books. And uh, you have a a chapter in there, of course, on on spirit communication. And by the way, you mentioned my name in there, which I I was shocked. Ooh, nice. But the interesting thing about it, because I was there when that happened, you talk about methods of communicating, and we talked about the Ouija board. Bob Murch had uh, his own brand of the Ouija boards that we took to a conference that we did out at the Hooten Mansion called Contact, and you and Sean actually took part in this Ouija board thing, and it was kind of interesting. What was your perspective of this? And you go into it in the book, which is interesting. Um... Well, it was very scary. 
Yeah. You know, because I, I personally, like, I don't like the idea of possession, personally. I mean, I do think that it's, a, you know, I talk about this in my book. I talk about, you know, when you do mediumship, sometimes the spirits will take hold of you. And I'm not saying it's a necessarily a bad thing if you know what you're doing. I just, I'm such a control freak. You know what I mean? I'm a typical Capricornian businessman. You know, I just don't really want somebody dominating my soul, a personality, a body for any particular amount of time. So when, you know, I was really tired that day. I'd had trouble sleeping. And so when I sat at the board, um, I really felt like my control was ebbing away, you know, and Sean had to pull me out of it. It was very scary. Right. You know, and at the same time, we did get stuff through. They talked about some sword. You know, I, I, this is vaguely, you know. Don't yeah, no, but that, that, that's right. You did get the sword, and the sword actually was missing from the Masons. Right, and, and I had no clue. I mean, I knew nothing about what was going on over there. But, I mean, the thing with Ouija boards, though, is, I, you know, and I wanted to really get this out there. You know, a lot of times people come in my shops and they'll say, oh, I don't use a Ouija board. Those are dangerous. Yeah. A Ouija board is no more dangerous than any other spiritual tool. And the problem with demonizing it specifically is this. You actually make people diminish the danger of the other things. You know, Ouija board is dangerous, but I'll sit here and call the spirits with my pendulum for the next three hours. Well, you know what? That's just as bad. Yeah. You know, any spiritual work, any spiritual work, I don't care if it's prayer. Any spiritual work that you do by which you are using your mind and your soul to tap into the other worlds rings a dinner bell to everyone <laughs> in that sphere saying, fresh meat. <laughs> so I don't care whether all you do is prayer, a pendulum, mediumship, Ouija boards. You should always do so with the mentality and mindset of protection you know, whether you bless yourself with holy oils or holy water or, you know, a coffin nail cross or, you know, iron with red thread or, you know, there's many, many, many ways, you know, a little bag of salt. You know, whatever your shtick is, you know, I, I've sort of grown fond over the last few years of, of the Archangel Michael. Yep. And, uh, you know, very much so more than I ever was. And, um, you know, through some experiences that I've had. And uh, and if you read about Michael in my book, you know, I, I actually dug out that this energy is as ancient as the Mesopotamians and the Assyrians and the Phoenicians. And even the Norse had a variation on it, the Egyptians. And so, you know, this idea of the fiery protective spirit is, is, is ancient. And, you know, that idea that we can call on that for protection, but it, it's not specific to the Ouija. The Ouija board is no more dangerous than anything else. Right. You know, anything, and it's not just about spirit contact. Your spiritual work may not involve calling entities, but it doesn't matter. If all you're doing is a candle spell to get a new job that doesn't involve spirits and all you're doing is calling on ISIS or what the heck ever, you are still creating a beacon of energy that entities will recognize and understand as fresh meat. Yeah. Oh. Well, you're not speaking of fresh meat. I just heard the doorbell. That means the pizza's here, so we got to wrap it right. up. Right. So, uh, Kristen, uh, can, we get, can we get your website so people can yeah, find yeah. you? 
it's uh, my master site, which is sort of like my my cheesy little intro splash to everything else, <laughs> is uh, christianday.com. I okay. haven't had a chance to really design it, so I just took the picture from my psychic readings page. But it's pretty much, you know, christianday.com will link you to the book, the Hex website, Omen, you know, all the different things that I'm doing, and, uh, you know, in, in my Facebook, too, you know, so if you want to connect with me there is uh, Facebook. Right dot com slash Christian Day and you know so and when, I, you, when I you go to Salem when you go to Salem you got to go with the Hex which is on uh, Essex Street I believe well Hex Hex in Salem is at two forty six Essex Street right Omen yeah. is the psychic parlor and we have amazing psychics there that's at one eighty four Essex Street in Salem and of course at twelve nineteen Decatur Street in the French Quarter of New Orleans it's Woo-hoo. in the locals. Local oh. section of the French Quarter, which I really like. There's all kinds of jazz clubs and funky local bars and goth clothing and really. Oh, amazing. I have to go down there. I have well, to go down there. We have Coops. Like there's this restaurant, two of them, Fiorella's and Coops. I think are the best. But the, you know, some of the best food. Most of the restaurants in the French Quarter are kind of touristy. You have a few good ones. I mean, there's never a bad meal. Anything in the French Quarter is going to be. You know, anything in New Orleans is going to be better than wherever you eat. I mean, it's just <laughs> amazing food. But but the best of the best. Uh, you know, uh, some of those are in the area where I am, right, you know, a block away, uh, is uh, Hex, New Orleans, at 1219 to cater, and that we just opened a month ago. Awesome. Well, Chris, awesome. I hate to tell you this, but we're uh, heading out, so uh, awesome. I want to thank you so much for going on the show. It was great yeah, talking thank with you, you. It was like old times, and uh, good luck with your new store, and we'll see you. Well, thank you both for having me, and thanks to your listeners, and have a great night. Oh, yeah. you too. Thank you. Good night, Christian. See you in October. <laughs> there you go. Well, oh. Ed, that's another show down the, down the uh, shoot or whatever it was. Wow, he was fabulous. <laughs> oh, yeah, he can talk. He can talk. There's no great. doubt about it. Totally. Uh, yeah, he's, he's an amazing person. Um, I do want to mention one thing. We On July 27th, 28th, and 29th, we have a three-day event, which is happening, and Bob Merch, which was, Christian was talking about the Ouija boards, is going to be there, and he was there at the uh, contact. So, Excellent. anyways, time to wrap it up. So, right. uh, I guess it's time to say goodnight, and don't forget to join us on our Facebook page, which is... Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Good night. Good night. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-legged beasties.